Mark chapter 13, verse 1. Then as he went out of the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Teacher, see what manner of stones and what buildings are here. And Jesus answered and said to him, Do you see these great buildings? Not one stone shall be left upon another that shall not be thrown down. Speaking of judgment upon the great city of God, Jerusalem, because they have left the Lord. They have gone backward and they rejected the Lord Jesus. And what can happen when a person, a family or nation rejects the Lord? Ruin. There's no other way. No matter what kind of technology they have, how much money, how popular they are with the world, no matter what kind of buildings they have, they can have world attractions. God says not one stone will be left upon another. Everything we see with our eyes, everything people admire, the Lord Jesus said this, that which is highly esteemed among men is an abomination to the Lord. Whatever people deify, they glorify, and they feel that pride like at the Tower of Babel, we've done it. We have the greatest amusement park in the world. We have the greatest technology. The number one medical researchers live here, or we have Silicon Valley, and then some. We have the tallest this or the largest this. Everything's good for business. And look, we can have fast food and slow food and whatever kind of food and all kinds of things that we need. We have it all. As we recall what the Lord said to the ladies in church, you think you're rich? You're actually poor, miserable, blind, naked. You're wretched. For the believer, the darkest time becomes the most glorious times because the Son of God shows up. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Son of God is in your house if you bow down to Him. And he will set everything straight. Blessed be the rock. He will set your house in order. He will help you to do your part. And he will do his supernatural work. All we have to do is everything we're supposed to do and can do. God has promised that he will step in and do what only he can do. What a great consolation. The great buildings were admired by people. God said, this is not where it's at. Sights and sounds, glittering images, excitement in this world. Haven't we seen that and felt that? Been there and done that? Even if all of us don't have the same experiences with uh, particular details, we can know that we have similar emptiness. Have you ever felt empty? going to the beach, going to a carnival, going to an amusement park, and getting all the food you like to eat, traveling everywhere, whatever you'd like to do, and you seem like, you know, this has been a good day. It's been a great day. Why? Because I got so many things done. I've experienced so many things. It's a wonderful day. Wouldn't life be wonderful if the best days, full of the world's amusements and goods, can be ours? Even the freedom and the health to do what? Go to the gym? To work out? More corruption within the human body? To elongate or cause the longevity to come because I'm taking care of my heart and lungs and I'm taking care of my skin and my brain and doing everything right. To do what? Perpetuate more sin. How many people go and try to do a lot of things to extend their lives? But it's a tragedy because the longer they live, the more corrupt they become. They flaunt themselves and they go and give themselves over to destruction. But for the child of God, every move is calculated to bring eternal rewards and the greatest satisfaction on earth, even through the toughest times. Hallelujah. Our focus is not on what we see with our physical eyes, natural eyes, but our eyes have been opened. Jesus has come to us, shown us that everything is vanity, foolishness and emptiness 
if God is not in the picture. Hallelujah. His creation is beautiful. God gave the builders the skill to build these buildings, these monuments. There's some wonderful things we can see in this world through the wisdom and the abilities that God has given man. But when God is not in the picture, when he's not glorified, when he's not acknowledged or thanked, it'll come down like the Tower of Babel. Every kingdom that has risen, not acknowledged the living God, but one after other gods, has come down. Every kingdom, every major kingdom, every civilization, whether it be Egypt, whether it be Babylon, whether it be Persia, Greece, Rome, up until the day the Lord comes back, because he's like that stone from the big mountain that rolled and demolished every kingdom. It has to be. Because he is life. He is the glorious one. He is the God who gave everything for us. To live apart from him is death. And these people, the disciples, were looking at the buildings. They were saying it innocently. The Lord didn't find fault with them. But he did tell them the truth. Are you glad for the truth? When God steps in and says, you know, what you're doing is not right. What you're seeking for is not right. What you're satisfied with is not right. It's actually emptiness. You're going to be hungry and thirsty again. It's said that people in this world are caught up in a rat race. A lot of scurrying, going here and there, running here and there, do what? Jump in the vehicle, go across town. Jump in the vehicle, come back home. Jump in the vehicle, go do this. Or walk here. Or whatever it is. Come back to the same old, same old. And people accept that. It's a sad thing when a believer accepts that. The world we can understand. They're blind, wretched, poor, miserable, naked. But let it not be said of the believer. That was the charge God had against the church of Laodicea. He said, you're saying, I'm rich. I have everything. But God says, let me tell you your true condition. You're absolutely bankrupt. Because you're not looking to me. You're looking to yourself. When we come out of ourselves, and look to the one who alone was pierced for our transgressions. When we really mourn over our sins, when we really look to God and see he is the one that has the ability to take away the tears when we really love him and seek him first. And he will come and he will help us to set our house in order. You want the Lord to come into your house and dominate the place? You want every disorder and chaos, every filthiness, foolishness, every unclean bird to get out of the house as you saw in Revelation? You need to say, Jesus, I know nothing. I know a lot all about my sin. I know a lot about what I've done and what my family's done. There's no use trying to polish it and make it less evil than it appears or that, than it is. But I'm going to tell you, Lord, from A to Z because you want me to confess. This is where we went away from you as a family. This is where I went away from you as an individual. Lord, please forgive me. Cleanse me, Lord. I don't ever want to do anything on my own again. Oh, God, it's a failure. It's a mess. It'll be like these great buildings. Look good and shining for a while, but when God's not in the temple, it must come down because he's the one who sustains everything. Imagine a temple of God without God in it. What good is it? We want El Bethel. We want the God of the house of God, not just the house of God. We want God of the house of God. Well, the Lord prophesied here that this magnificent building would come down. Those temple grounds, which was greatly expanded by Herod, the Lord said everything's coming down. Why? Why should there be a negative prediction like that? Why couldn't the Lord say, 
Yes, it is beautiful. And I like that cornerstone there and this stone there. They're missing the cornerstone, Jesus Christ. What's going to happen to a family, a nation, an individual, a business? It'll all come down. Even if a person wins a hero's award in a great war and has done tremendous feats, aren't we occupied today? The world is, and many, many Christians have to say on YouTube. And just fascinated by things, facts and figures, uh, to make mankind appear really smart, really bright, geniuses. Oh, we know there's all these plagues going around and a lot of bad news out there, but look at the good news. What is the good news? We have more food. We have more technology. We have more entertainment. And look at this one. Look at the way this guy entertains people. Isn't that unique? And look at that lady. How wonderful. Well, humanity really is great. Self-deceived. Because the Lord says in the book of Peter that the entire cosmos, the world, every piece of real estate on the earth, including the earth itself, the stars, the whole universe is going to be melted with fire. This is God's prediction. Another negative prediction? Well, for God to bring the new order into us, not the one world government of mankind, Babel, but God's heavenly order into our lives, he needs to do away with the old. And so it is with the heavens and the earth. He said, and I saw new heavens and a new earth. The old has gone away, and there was no more sea. But there is something like a sea of crystal in front of the throne with the water of life coming. Hallelujah. God is changing our mindset to desire everything he has first. Don't admire what you see with your eyes, but admire what you can see with the eyes of faith. That which is heavenly. God himself and the things of God. Hallelujah. Now, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, it's the place that the Lord will come back and set his feet on and it will break into half. This Mount of Olives right there in Jerusalem today. Right there in Israel. It will split in half when he comes back because the place where he went up, God says the place where he's going to come back, the mountain will break into two. A lot of people are buried there. They anticipate the Messiah coming. You see, the physical nearness to any kind of sacred place will do nothing for anyone unless their hearts are living with God before they die. Now, as he sat on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter, James, John, and Andrew asked him privately, you see Andrew here. Usually it's Peter, James, and John, the inner circle. But in this occasion, Simon Peter's brother Andrew is there too. They asked him privately. They understood that some destruction is going to happen. And sure enough, 70 AD, the Roman governor Titus came and leveled the place. Just as the Lord said. Didn't have to be. King David during his lifetime, went north, south, west, and east, and tremendously extended the empire, far more than Saul, his predecessor, had. He just took over the Ammonites, the Moabites, the Syrians, the Philistines, the Edomites, all kinds of people. You know why? Because he loved God. His enemies were put under his feet. Why should that glory be turned into ruin over here? Because God kept telling them, stop oppressing one another. Don't imitate the heathen people. Don't offer your children as sacrifices. Stop committing abortion. Stop giving your children over to media that is unclean and destructive and violent. Stop trying to say, well, my child has to make the choices and uh, eventually he's going to be on his own and he's under your roof. It's your responsibility. Your daughter's under your roof. 
they didn't care the Israelites. They said, not only will our children go out in the street and do like the heathen, we'll do it ourselves. And furthermore, the gods of the heathens are very exciting. Look, the way they dance. Look at their clothing. It's very, very attractive. And the way they do things, it's just uh, drawing our flesh to get more and more and more. Be greedy and lustful and wicked. God said, don't do that. Because that's from the enemy. It's evil. You're called to be holy. He said, if you would obey my word, I'll give you the finest of wheat and honey and everything, and nobody will be able to stand against you, Joshua. All the days of your life, that promise was extended to the people Joshua was leading. So in our lives, these people, the disciples were wondering, destruction is coming. We know people are not seeking Jesus. We've traveled with them a bit now, and we see the common people gladly hearing him because miracles are being done, and the word is just satisfying the deepest longing in their hearts. It's what life is about. And there's hope. There's hope. We're not stuck in some karma state where a father was poor, mother was poor, and I'm poor too. And the lack of trade that they were used to, lack of business and lack of money, lack of opportunity, we're stuck with that too. And I guess that's how it is. We're the, on the lower of society. Lord said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you who mourn. You shall be comforted. I'm here to comfort you. I'm here to change everything. Hallelujah. Hope came in. And they saw miracles. People's sins were forgiven. Their lives were changing. They saw people like Zacchaeus hated by the Israelites. Totally transformed. Became a man who would give instead of take and hoard and cheat people. God has come to change our lives. But you know, there were people who hated Jesus. There are people who did not want him to come and change anything. They liked their uncleanness, their self-abuse and abuse of others. They said, you know what? The demons here don't want to leave. And if you come here, they're going to have to leave. So we don't want you. We want the demons. They saw this, Peter, James, and John. They knew God is just. His judgment comes. It's because he waited quite a long time. He's the most patient person. But because he's just, he has to judge at some point and stop people who don't want to repent. Unfortunately, the words became even more severe as he talked about what will happen to pregnant women during that time. Horrible things will happen, he said. And said, pray that your flight may not be in winter. It's going to be horrible as it is. Why? God kept pleading with the people of Israel for centuries. Stop doing evil. If you're married, stick with your spouse and love your spouse only. Don't look at other people's spouses and desire other people's property. Don't worship money like the heathen. Don't take pride in your body and yourself and what you have. Humble yourself before the Lord. I'm the reason for your success. I'm the one who gave you life and sustains life. Look to me and I will save you. I will keep you. They didn't listen. So judgment was inevitable. They asked him, tell us when will these things be? And what will be the sign when all these things will be fulfilled? And Jesus answering them began to say, I want to warn you, make sure no one deceives you. And explain why he's saying that. He didn't stop there. 
just make sure you don't get deceived. Let's go to the next subject. No. For many will come in my name saying, I am he, the Messiah, and will deceive many. But when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be troubled. For such things must happen, but the end is not yet. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be earthquakes in various places. And there will be famines and troubles. These are the beginnings of sorrows. If you have a Bible that defines that word sorrow, or sorrows, you'll see birth pangs. A lot of pain is coming upon the earth. There's going to be war, earthquakes, famines. When you look at the history of mankind, it said that in the past century, there have been more wars, more famines, more widespread pestilence or disease. You see that in Matthew, pestilence also, as well as earthquakes. Just a glance at the record of earthquakes, the recorded history of mankind, you'll see. In recent times, there have been more earthquakes, more devastating earthquakes than ever before in the history of mankind. So, the Lord is coming very soon. And the Lord says, don't be worried about these things. Don't be troubled that you're going to lose your faith. Keep your eyes on me. Verse 9, but watch out for yourselves, for they will deliver you up to councils. And you'll be beaten in the synagogues. Imagine that in the very places of worship. God said they're going to round you up and beat you there. You'll be brought before rulers and kings for my sake for a testimony to them. The disciples, just about every one of them, suffered much for their faith as they went around spreading the word. The early church suffered much. And so it is with the true church today. In some parts of the world, they're suffering much. In a place like Kenya, usually not a place in Africa that one would think atrocities would happen against Christians like in some other places in northern Africa. I get emails and reports of things happening there, horrible things. Milton's coming into the villages and just destroying the people. People fleeing into the bushes to hide and parents separated from children. Burning of the houses, burning of people. Why? Because they're Christians. What is going on? Jesus said, this is a world that is hostile to the truth. But if you're a lukewarm Christian and you mix in with the crowd and you do what they do and you say, well, all religions are the same and we just need to learn how to get along. Let's bring our economics together, our thinking power together and Let's all work for the latest technology. But truth, Pontius Pilate said, what is truth? Why are these people willing to die for truth? Christians thrown to the lions. Why? Because the truth is also a person, Jesus Christ. To deny the truth is to deny Jesus. And what will happen to us if we say, well, I don't know Jesus because times are getting tough and I need to mix in like a chameleon with the surroundings. I will not say I'm a Christian because they may take my income away. They may cut this and cut that because it's hostile. God emboldens us. You know, when we seek Him, we say, Lord, one thing I never want to do in my life. Oh, God. There's one thing I never want to do is to deny you, Lord. Because I know if I don't confess you before men and I deny you, you will not confess me before the Father. Not only that, because you love me so much, Lord. I love you. It's like a person who's married saying, I don't know that woman, even though he's married to that wife. Why? Because if he says, that's my wife, and people may think bad about him, because she is this or that or the other thing. I'm not married to that man. I don't know who he is. Even though that's the husband. Because 
the girlfriends might think that he's not good enough for you. So many evil things come from the heart. How much more to the Lord of Calvary who gave everything for us? Now some people in some places of the earth, they're suffering way beyond we could imagine or even go through. But wherever we live, wherever we live, we're called to pray much to the Lord and to talk to Him and, and follow Him. And when something comes up that may indicate persecution is on the horizon, all the Word of God that we've stored in our hearts, all the love poems we have sung to Him in prayer and worship will stand the test. I can't do anything, go anywhere apart from Jesus being number one in my life. The Lord said, not only is the building going to come down, there will be earthquakes, famines, wars, and rumors of wars. Again, as I say often, what do we do with this passage? What do we do with Mark 13? Should we say, well, this morning call, we'll skip Mark 13 because we really want to talk about other subjects that make us feel good. This whole subject should make a believer confident and full of expectation because the Lord said when you see these things happen, not only did he say don't be troubled, let not your heart be troubled, but look up because your redemption is coming. Hallelujah. Total be day for the children of God who have been kept as a spotless bride. They've separated from all that is evil. There's no way God will take us if we're not separated from evil because evil cannot enter heaven. They have consecrated themselves to the Lord. Said, Lord, I'm here to live for you. You're my life. You're my everything. You're my joy. You're my victory. You're my salvation. You're my Savior, Lord. I want to live for you and do what you called me to do. You have a blueprint for my life. Before I was born, you have a plan for me, Lord. And I want to get on that plan. Some people get on meal plans and this plan and that plan. Why? They have an objective. Whether they work out or they have a plan to finish a certain curriculum so they can get a degree or certain courses to get a promotion or certain projects. People have plans. But who's in God's plan? We have to say, Lord, everything is secondary to your plan in my life and subject to change as we see in clauses sometimes in contracts or declarations subject to change Lord I'm available not to go where I'd like to go but where you want me to go and do what you want me to do I'm yours Lord the privilege is all mine. The honor is all mine to be able to be a servant, to love you, to follow you for the rest of my days, to make you known to the world, even when it's hostile to me. Lord, Peter denied you. Even though he loved you, he was weak. And you showed him that he wasn't watching and praying that that not happened to me. It's the kind of sentiment and talk we need to have with God. Help me to be strong, Lord. To be like that house built on a rock. By keeping your word, I'll never be shaken. These are the beginning of sorrows. a bad time for the world. People will be running. In Revelation it says they'll be running, trying to avoid huge hailstones from the sky. It said that it may weigh 70 pounds or more. Imagine that coming from the sky such a distance they say if you drop a copper penny I remember as a child I heard this statistic or this prediction this observation perhaps based upon the force that one single US penny would accumulate the laws of physics gravitational pull that if it's dropped from the top of the Empire State Building 
can go right through the skull of the human being. Not surprising. Not surprising. But what should we say to all these things? Our lives need to be subject and readjusted and realigned so that everything everything becomes indestructible. The Lord himself says these kinds of words in Hebrews we see all that is able to be shaken will be shaken like the figs from the fig tree the stars of heaven will fall upon the earth. All of these things will happen. These are not metaphorical statements. Every single thing the Lord has said will happen. No wonder Peter says also, seeing that everything is going to be dissolved, it's going to be destroyed by fire. Once the world is destroyed by water in the flood, the next time the universe will be destroyed by fire, and that too with a tremendous noise. It's just horrific for the person who's not found in Christ. And that's why the Lord says, but if you're in me, you won't be shaken. You won't be destroyed. Nothing will be able to penetrate your life. And yet this paradoxical, this almost contradictory, almost contradictory path of the cross that even though I won't be shaken when the universe is destroyed, when the universe is destroyed, I won't be shaken. Hallelujah. But I have to be subject to people who are hostile to me on this earth, these specks of dust. How does that work? Well, the Son of God, who is the ruler of the whole universe, the creator, humble himself for the sake of the truth, for the sake of God's word and his plan, to be persecuted and mistreated. But, He came out victorious. The same God the Father told his son, Jesus Christ, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Hallelujah. We win. The path to victory is not easy. But God said, I'll be with you to give you grace. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The people who during World War II, they were forced to walk a hundred miles. Many did not make it. But there were those who made it. And among them, I remember, there was an athlete, I believe an Olympian runner. And he said, with all of his youthful body, with muscles and speed, and perhaps some would have said at that time, a perfect specimen of, specimen of uh, health and fitness. He said, I was skin and bones. The enemy forces made him walk. He barely survived. But a young man who trusted in himself, his good looks, his abilities, his popularity, he thought he'd live forever. He faced death. He became one of the very loyal servants of Christ even to his old age, proclaiming, it's the Lord who took me out of that pit, the Lord who rescued me, the Lord who had a plan, and I thought my plan was sports, and my plan was this, and I have a plan, God has a plan, to glorify him. But watch out for yourselves, verse 9, Mark 13, verse 9, for they will deliver you up to councils, and you will be beaten in the synagogues, you'll be brought before rulers and kings for my sake, for a testimony to them. Is it for everybody? He's talking to his disciples and those who have to follow similar paths, but not everyone will go through this yet. Every single person who's a real believer, really following Christ, will have persecution. Because God says in his word, everyone that is godly, not the person who pretends to be a Christian, people pleaser, but the one who's really godly and says, I don't do that. And all of a sudden one person says, what? You don't do this? Are you saying what we're doing is wrong and all of a sudden they can rally around that person who's innocent before the Lord and begin to 
slander and persecute? Why? Because of the truth. There's no harm done by the Christian. But the force of evil cannot stand the light. And so there will be persecution of one sort or another. But we need to stand that test. Can you say that you will never deny your Lord? No one should say, well, Peter said it and he fell, so I'm not going to say it. No. There are people who can say that truly and they will not. We need to say, I need to watch and pray. I need to be in God's word. I need to be with God's people who really love him, not playing church. Who really fear the Lord. And Jesus is their passion. How do you know? Because they say Jesus is Lord and Jesus is that and I worship you Lord and I love you Lord and wear badges. I love Jesus and bumper stickers about how Jesus is so wonderful. No, it's in the obedience when God says forgive your spouse. Teach your children the fear of God. Talk to them about my word when they're lying down, when they're walking with you in the street, when they sit and eat with you. Do we obey God's commandments? That's the test of real love for God. We can build ourselves up to the point that when we say, I will never deny the Lord, we have come to a certain point under the greatest persecution. We will see heaven so clearly in the face of Jesus that we rather die than to deny him. But we need to watch and pray. But watch out for yourselves for they will deliver you up to councils and you will be beaten in the synagogues. You will be brought before rulers and kings for my sake for a testimony to them. And the gospel must first be preached to all the nations. But when they arrest you I don't like to hear this in my natural self. I don't want to hear about arresting, being arrested and uh, being brought before this people and hunted down like a criminal. But it happened to my Lord. Why? For the truth's sake. I have to settle this in my heart. And so do you. If these things should happen to me, Lord, you've given me enough notice to prepare myself so I can come out on top and you'll put my enemies under my footstool one day I won't deny you or anything similar to this that may not be as severe and yet there's persecution for some people it's not being hung from the ceiling by their hair horrible things have happened to Christians and still do why? Because they're loving and kind and they won't mix with doing evil and there's hostility against them because they're Christ followers. Most people are not hung by the hair from the ceiling. So painful. I have the fingernails taken out forcibly. This happening to your brother and your sister today. To my brother, my sister in the faith in different parts of the world. All kinds of things. And think of this in perspective now. If a classmate should say, well, I think Christians are really low. I don't like them. And they know you're a Christian. How does that make you feel? Do we go home and start weeping and crying? We may. But then we can turn to the Lord and see, Lord, give me grace and strength not to cry and feel sorry for myself, but to be more bold in loving you and doing the good works you called me to do. And somebody should lose their promotion. What is that? In comparison to losing a limb. It's happened to children even. Chased down by people. Persecuting Christians. For only one reason. Because they're Christians. It is thought to make us stronger. To know that our family is suffering different parts of the world. It's real. I shouldn't be afraid of persecution, but I'm going to need grace. So I need to spend more time with the Lord. Then the Holy Spirit will empower me to withstand all kinds of persecution for the truth's sake and stand firm. As written in Ephesians, having done all, stand. Take the full armor of God with you. It's not physical weapons. 
spiritual weapons against spiritual wickedness and rulers in the high places who are working through people to arrest, to beat, to threaten, to take away promotions and ostracize, send us out of their society for the truth's sake. Through Christ, we can stand for the truth. And the beautiful thing about it is Sometimes among the crowd that is hostile to us, there may be one or two or five or ten people who witness this. And they're so moved by the purity of our lives, the love of our lives, and our firm loyalty to Jesus Christ, that they themselves will come and surrender to Christ. It's happened before. The Lord says, but when they arrest you and deliver you up, don't worry beforehand or premeditate what you will speak. For whatever is given you in that hour, speak that. For it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. How will this ever happen? If I'm seeking to save my skin and finding every loophole to try to compromise the truth and tell people, oh, I'm, I'm not a Christian, um, I just was pretending to be one. Their minds are thinking, I can't afford to lose this promotion, lose this promotion. I can't afford to lose this little perk on the job. I can't afford to be counted as uh, evil because I'm doing the right thing. I'm not part of the group. Everybody's doing the wrong thing and I stand out like a sore thumb because I want to do the right thing and they're persecuting me. Well, if I spend time with the Lord and I love Him and I keep His commandments, faith and obedience like that will strengthen me and the Spirit of God will speak through me when I'm surrounded by dogs. People are vicious. Jesus kept His composure. He was under the greatest affliction. But He never spoke, not even one time, not even one word, not one syllable that didn't come from the Father. He's someone who prayed continually, early in the morning. Everybody's sleeping. You think the other rabbis there got up that early to pray? Hardly. That's why Jerusalem was like that, because the teachers were themselves corrupt for the most part. And the people followed. Jesus was different. He had a connection with the Father, not only because he's part of the Godhead, but because as a man, he did what he had to do. He was brisk when it's time to meet with God. He overcame the tiredness. He overcame everything. The pain. Because he knew, I need to connect with my Father. He's my everything. I love him. And because he spent time with God, the Father, during the night and early morning hours, the ministry was spectacular. Demons were running. People getting healed. People's lives and their families were so depressed and threatened with death and disease and trouble. Entire destiny changed. And they got eternal life. And he went through the persecution as we've been reading in Mark. People coming, mobs and one after another trying to trick him or trap him. He was able to pass through all of those things. He was able to pass through everything victoriously. And he finished his mission. And he's at the right hand of the Father in glory. And he said in Revelation, all of you who have followed me, all of you who have done what I've told you to do, I want you to sit with me on my throne. Hallelujah. We need to have our eyes We need to have our eyes fixed on the Lord Jesus and every word that he says. Now, brother will betray brother to death. And a father his child. And children will rise up against parents and cause them to be put to death. What do I do with the scripture? How many people wish this wasn't in the Bible? Well, the devil can come and interpret it his way. He can say, well... 
This is what's going to happen to your family. Didn't Jesus say it? You're going to have traitors in the family. No. No, it doesn't have to be. And for a family that fears God, it won't happen. It'll never happen. They'll be unified. They'll love each other and help each other, get closer to the Lord, and they'll win together. But this is about families where people do not have Jesus Christ and they don't want him. And they continue like that. There'll be division. There'll be problem, especially in the last days. A lot of betrayal. Because the devil is active in the home. Oh, everybody's going to work. Yep, they catch their bus, their plane, their car, right? And they're getting promotions on the job and more money's coming in, more food, more pleasure, more vacations. But the devil's just waiting for the time. When there's a believer in the household and that person wants to keep their faith to themselves or to herself, what that person will be doing is letting the demons thrive. But if a person is praying, Lord, my father is not saved. He doesn't know Lord Jesus Christ. He's going to hell and the devil is ruling his heart no matter how nice he may be and what he's done for me and my family, my brothers and sisters, my mother. My mother is such a great woman. She always taught me to do the right thing, but she doesn't have Jesus in her heart. Where is she going? She's going to go to hell. Why? Because she hasn't received Jesus as the only true God who died on the cross for her sins. Well, I don't want to make any waves and cause any trouble. I'm going to be quiet in the corner and I'm not going to talk about Christ and because it really messes up the dinner time. You know, when we talk about Jesus, we can talk about everything else in the world. We can talk about gay marriage. We can talk about idolizing pets. We can talk about money, economy, tsunami, mommy. We can talk about everything. But to talk about Jesus, because not everybody agrees with me, I don't want to bring up those things that can cause a problem. That person who wishes to be a secret Christian, secret disciple, will actually have a share in the family going to hell because they haven't opened their mouth and told as led by the Spirit with a lot of prayer. Jesus is the answer. He's the living God and I'm a Christian. How many people have been thrown out of their houses? Everything was fine. I can think about Sadhu Sundar Singh. Very, very loving family. His mother died when he was young and he wanted to just kill himself waiting for the express train in that portion of India. He's only, I think, 13 or 14 years old or so. He said, my whole life is gone. My mom's gone. My, uh, my father's a good father, but I, I just don't have that connection with him like with mom. and I'm lost. There's no point in me living. As he was about to do that, just a couple of hours before, he's waiting for the express train. In those days, coming early in the morning, he knew when it was going to come. He's going to lay himself on the tracks and kill himself. Jesus appeared in his room. He saw a light. The Lord conveyed his presence. He tried to tell his dad about it. Not only was the suicide averted, it was filled with such a joy and his dad told him, you can't be here. You've denied our religion. And he was thrown out of the house and he went on the road. And he was persecuted. But the Spirit of God is working in him so powerfully that he was able to withstand every persecution. And he even came to the United States in 1920 thereabouts and they said, this man is like Jesus. He came to the Christians here and they observed that the Spirit of God is working in this Indian man with a turban, who they said 
It's the apostle with the bleeding feet. He's the apostle with the bleeding feet because many times he walked without any protection for his feet because he said, my Lord suffered so much. I can do without shoes or sandals. He went to all kinds of places, suffered all kinds of hardships, brought the gospel to many places. Incidentally, actually supernaturally planned, the founder of the church that Pastor Kurva attended for some time in India, which is, I think, the largest church maybe in the whole country, or at least in the south. The founder, who was born in 1900 or thereabouts, when he was a little boy, he said his mom took him to one of these open-air meetings where this sadhu, this man dedicated to his religious life and profession. As a little boy, this mighty man of God who founded this church there in India, he said, even though he was so small, he said that he saw light come from this man's face right upon his face. And as he grew, he became totally convicted of his sin and yielded his life to the Lord and became a soul winner and built this church by God's grace with no compromise. The suffering that comes because a person follows Jesus is inevitable. It will come in various degrees to various people. But our position must be the same. Never deny the Lord. We have to open our mouth and tell people if we really love them, especially our family. No matter what the cost is, never deny the Lord Jesus. And especially when that's their only hope. What good is it if we have peace in the house till relatives get to be old age or they have everything they could possibly dream and more because the children are working hard, they have a lot of money and they can go here and there. And Some people say I vacation here half the time and around the world the uh, next half of the year and back and forth until they die. You can have an elaborate funeral, but the person's already gone. Their soul will be in hell burning forever. What's the use? They're trying to make people comfortable with a lie send them to hell forever instead of speaking the truth take a chance some of them will listen at least some in some cases there will be a revival where everybody will turn I've seen that happen everybody will turn to the Lord because of miracles happening and visions the power of the truth And you will be hated for, by all for my name's sake, but he who endures to the end shall be saved. Let's mark that second half of verse 13. Mark 13, 13. I would encourage you to highlight Mark 13, 13b as we wrap up this morning. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. This is in the context of the persecution tribulation that's going to come, buildings falling, all kinds of stuff happening. If we keep our eyes fixed on the Lord, we love the Lord, the Lord said, you will not be shaken. I'll make sure. No matter what happens, you'll end up with me. You'll be in glory with me. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. And let's also take a secondary application of this, where we are now persecuted by the devil because we're holding on to hope for healing persecuted by the devil and all his voices because we're holding on to God's word of prosperity and being harassed by the devil who says it'll never happen look you tried it before and it always failed you're trying to win your family to the Lord give up it's causing you too many problems just take care of yourself no, endure in doing good. Doing what God said to do. Salvation will come. 
not only to you, but to the people that you minister to, according to God's perfect will. Don't give up. Don't be weary in well-doing. Be strong. Strong to the finish. I'm a warrior. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Our healer, our peace, our shalom. We thank you this morning, Lord. We worship you. I thank you, Lord, that we're not worshiping idols. We're not gathering together, Lord, to talk about some political ideology and have a fervor for that, Lord, getting up early to plan how to promote something across the city or the country or the world, some agenda. Useless things, Lord, in the scope of eternity. But we are connected to eternal life, which is in Jesus Christ. And we have joy, and we have love, we have peace. Even through the afflictions, Lord, we have victory through your blood, through the cross of Jesus. Hallelujah. And Father, I pray that you help your people today. Help us, Lord, to draw near to you, Lord. Change us, Lord, more and more, Lord. Change us, Lord. Things that need to fall away. You said that you'll transform us to another person this year, much more than before. Help us, Lord, to love you and to serve you and to run after you and stand up for the truth with love, speaking the truth in love, but speaking the truth as it is in Jesus. Lord, I pray for every family. We have a right and we have a privilege, Lord, to seek you. That every family represented by every attendee this morning would be filled with faith and love for you. And pray much, spend time with you, believe you, asking you for repentance in the family members who don't know you that a supernatural work can happen. We cannot do it. But Lord, we will watch you do mighty wonders as we just obey you. When you say to speak, we must speak. When you say to keep quiet, we must keep quiet. Help everyone to know what the Holy Spirit wants us to do. And to do it. You promised to do the rest. I pray for miracles, Lord, as you promised, Lord, that families will be saved family members, Lord, who are hostile to the truth. Lord, who are lying and pretending to like the truth, but their lifestyles show otherwise. All of them, Lord, surrender to Jesus this year. Oh, God, not just a hope, I pray for the mighty revival in every family. Blessings of healing, and prosperity, O Lord, that will come with persecution. The tremendous peace and victory in every fiery trial. May your Holy Spirit, Lord, embolden, emblazon our hearts to be loyal to you. We thank you, Father, for your word. You haven't left us in the dark. You told us what will happen to this world. Just as you prophesied about Jerusalem, it's inevitable. You've told us that you'd be with us. Lo, I'm with you even unto the end of the age. And Lord, you said when we're caught up to be with you, when you suddenly return, will be with you forever in glory. Thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. Straighten the road today for every brother, every sister. Whatever needs to happen for them today, Lord, from your good hands, may the enemy not steal that. May your joy, peace, and love flood their hearts. In Jesus' name, we thank you, Father. Thank you, resurrected King, our healer, our redeemer, for all the people we're praying for, Lord different times of the day and night, Lord. Our own brothers and sisters through the blood of Jesus and for our own families, Lord, for our own bodies, you are our everything. 
When you come in, Lord, darkness must flee, disease must go, demons must disappear. The same Jesus, come in and cleanse your temple. In Jesus' name we thank you, Father. Amen. Praise the Lord. Anyone who would like to pray?